morning, everybody. We are excited to be here today, and I want to just share a little bit of what is going on today. As you know, it's Easter, and the importance of Easter is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I want you to know that it certainly did not start on a high note. And, and what I mean by that is, is that before he was raised, he was killed. And I want to spend some time looking at the rough parts. I want us to, to see what led up to Sunday morning. But first, I just want to welcome you and you know, those of you who are maybe wearing your, your Easter clothes or some are wearing your Easter pajamas, whatever it is, it is so good to see you. And Really, right now, we are at a, a time in our lives as a country where there's emptiness going on. And today we want to talk about emptiness. And as our world fills with people, you know, we, we have empty hearts. And even as our, as our world fills with people, activities, distraction, emptiness is rampant. There's, there's something about being locked up in your house and having nothing else to do to find out what is important to you, to find out what fills your soul, to find out what keeps you from being bored or angry or, or lost or empty. But the truth is, humans were created for a relationship with God. We have this innate desire. And though we hide it very well, God has given us this desire for a relationship with Him. And in that day, in the in the first century, they were longing and had longed for generations for this Messiah that would accomplish this, that would give them that Messiah to, to bring holy God into relationship with sinful man. And so the, the prophets foretold, and there was this intertestamental period where they were just, it was dark. And they were waiting, and it was just emptiness. And into that emptiness was born the man Jesus. And he lived. He did great things. He performed miracles. He brought the dead back to life. And I want to look in Luke 23 right now, and I want to... I just want to read the, the story about what happened leading up to the cross. And so, if you would, with your Bibles open, I want us to look at, at Luke 23 and consider your own heart as we read. Is your heart empty? I want to, but also... Think about this, nationwide, perhaps worldwide, is filled with empty churches, empty church buildings. So empty hearts, empty church, 
This is low attendance church Sunday. All across this world, there are people not in church buildings. And so we have empty hearts. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what can satisfy our empty hearts? We have an empty church. What is the answer for our empty church? With these two things in mind, I want us to just go back in time to Luke 23 and hear the word. Think about their perspective in that day. Longing for this Messiah. Messiah arrives, lives his life sinlessly, and then... Luke 23. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who incited the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. With one voice, they cried, away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. The one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. 
Now let's skip over to verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So would you pray with me? Father, as we read these things, Lord, help our heart to be open to you. Help our minds to, to see the truth. Father, I pray for those who are listening and watching. Lord, if there are any who are doubting, or any who just don't know this story. Father, I pray that you would open hearts and reveal your truth today. And Lord, for those who have heard this their whole lives and it's become just a story because of repetition, I pray that you would awaken hearts today. And then, Lord, as those hearts awaken, I pray that celebration occurs. Lord, for those who know you, 
those who are celebrating, I pray that today is an exciting day of celebration, a fresh and new today. But Lord, as we spend these moments looking at the bad part, looking at the sad part, I pray that you would deal with our hearts. Help us to see your perspective of us in this story. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we look, we address empty hearts that were made for his glory. We address an empty church. And as we have these things in our mind, I want to look at perspective. Look at our perspective as we look at the text. There are several players, several characters in this story. And I want you and I to ask ourselves, with which character do we most identify? What are our responses to Christ? Would they perhaps be like Herod in verse 8? Herod, Herod, when he was looking to see Jesus, he was excited because... And this is, this is nuts. He was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. So Herod, bottom line, was looking for a show. He was looking for a circus act. A party trick. And he couldn't wait to see Jesus for what he would do to entertain him. As a pastor preaching to an empty church, it makes me think about the hearts of people. It makes me think about the church. What are we doing? What is our perspective of Christ? Are we looking for a sideshow? Are we looking for a trick? Are we looking to be entertained? Or perhaps we look at it the way Pilate did. And just to lighten the thought right now, it's weird to say Pilate when this same word is all over our culture and is pronounced Pilate. Think on that. Verse 24, Pilate, he, he believed in his heart that Jesus was, was innocent. Three times he tried to defend him and said there's no reason for the death penalty. He sent him to Herod, who sent him back, and he said, look, Herod agrees with me. My buddy Herod doesn't believe there's any reason to kill him either. And so we're not going to kill him. The third time, it's still the people. And verse 24 says, So Pilate decided to grant their demand. So Pilate flirted with the truth. He thought about it in his heart. And he began to act on it, but in the end, he was a wimp and went with the wishes of the crowd. Is that us? 
when we look at the story of Jesus, we think deeply in our heart, there's something true about this. But then when, the, when our society doesn't believe, when our society wants to be self-aware and wants to self-exist and wants to be self-satisfied, then do we give in to their demands and say, away with Jesus? Are we like the soldiers as they gather around the, the cross and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I don't know exactly what casting lots look like. I picture it as they're rolling dice. They're gambling. They're playing games for whatever clothing Jesus had. And, and I wonder, are we gambling? Are we that close to Jesus? They were at his feet. And did not see him as God. They were at his feet. And their first thought was, I want his clothing. And they were risking for his clothing. They were taking a chance. They were playing games for his stuff. And they were that close to the Son of God. Is that us? Are we that close? And yet play games? Or are we like... The leaders, the leaders mocked him. And Thief One joined in that as well and mocked him. He said, you're the son of God, right? Save yourself. You have power? Apparently not enough power to jump down off there and take care of your business. And they mocked him. They even dressed him up. And I could have imagined if it happened today, they would have put that, that robe on him and put the crown of thorns on him and then posed for selfies. Do we, in the church today, mock God? Now let me say this. If any of these perspectives continues in the church, there will be a virus in our heart that causes the church buildings to be empty in the future. And so let us look at the cross and look at the Son of God differently. Let us see it as the Bible is written in truth. So we've seen empty hearts, empty church. Let's look at the empty cross. God allowed man to put him on the cross. God allowed a man. He allowed them. He, he set his power. He set his sonship aside and gave his life on the cross. And so God allowed a man to put him on the cross, and a man took him off the cross. Joseph of Arimathea, he went and he asked for the body, and Joseph was in a weird spot. He was a member of the council, and he got outvoted. And so he believed, 
And so he went and took the body and asked if he could properly bury the body. But I want to make it very clear that Easter is not about Jesus hanging on the cross. If it was all about hanging on the cross, then there would have been three people that day that could be worshipped. We don't worship Jesus because he hung on the cross. We don't celebrate that Jesus was hung on the cross. Many died on crosses. Many, many thousands and thousands and thousands through the years died on crosses. It was considered to be a brutal curse. Blessed is the one who hangs on a tree, even in the Old Testament. And so, we don't celebrate that. That is why Christians typically do not wear the necklace of the cross with Christ hanging on it. Because that's not where the story ends. That's not the point of it. That's one part of it. But I wanted us to start with setting the stage for the truth. And so, I want us to pray. And we're going to pause for, for more worship. And then we're going to turn our attention to the empty grave. And what we're here to do is celebrate. And so, up till now, there's some sad things going on. There's some darkness going on. And so as I pray, think about in your heart, what fills your heart? What fills the church? And I don't mean a building. What fills the heart of the body of Christ? And so let's perhaps be somber for a moment. But as I've seen all across social media, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming in the text. And celebration is getting ready to happen. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the, the opportunity we have just to celebrate. That you get celebrated. That something was not you dying on the cross. The fact that that's not where it ended. Thank you for being different than a common. And God, I pray that you would address our hearts today. May they be full. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. How depressing would it be if I could not come back to this camera and finish the story? How depressing would it be if it ended on the cross? We are grateful that the cross was empty. But we are so much more grateful that the tomb is empty. I want us to look at the next chapter. Let's look at Luke 24. I want to read verses 1 through 12 and finish the story, the good part. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths, in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So what had happened was, is that there is now not just an empty cross. There's an empty tomb. A man put him in the tomb, but God brought him out of the tomb. Men, man, mankind put him on the cross. A man, Joseph of Arimathea, took him off the cross, laid him in the tomb, but God took him off the cross in the sense that he raised him from the dead. Jesus has the power over life and death. And in his power, so we. And apart from him, we're powerless. And so, the song we just sang says, Jesus Christ my living hope. Every word is important. Jesus Christ, who He is. My is personal. My living hope. Living means that He is not dead. Hope means that we have faith in a future. We have the possibility of spending eternity with Him. And not even just the possibility, but the certainty that it will happen because there's an empty tomb. And so before we were talking about perspectives and it really with whose perspective we most identified. Who do we most think like or act like in this story? And I want us to come to the place where we... We have to personalize this. Like Pilate, we have to, to answer the question, what are we going to do with Jesus? Every person alive has to make the decision, what will I do with Jesus? Some, in fact many, throughout this whole entire world don't even know him. Never heard the name Jesus, let alone that he died on the cross and was raised to new life for us. But most in this country have heard of him. And so what will we do with Jesus? 
And I want to warn us with, with one final point, and that is empty words. Empty words. Are the words of Scripture true or just empty words? Is it just a story to make people read it? Was it written as just a tale? Our choices in this is looking at what Jesus said. Who is Jesus? If he is who he says he is, then he's Lord. If he is not Lord, if he did not raise, was not raised from the dead, then he is a liar or a crazy person. And so as we think through this story personally, as we think about the question we must answer for ourselves, what will we do with Jesus? Are our words empty? Are the promises, are our promises to, to do better? Are our promises to get our life together? Are those just empty words? In other words, when we look at eternity, when we look for the, the basis for our existence, where do we look? Do we look to ourselves or do we look to the God who made us? God created us for himself. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, we know his words are true. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, our heart can be full and his church can be full. And again, I want to differentiate between the church being the building and the people. You can be filled with the Spirit of God right now. And so the church can be filled and this place could be empty. And so what I want to make sure that we see is that we don't lose the point of Easter as our world is watering it down and they're making it about new clothes, they're making it about spring or a rabbit that acts like Santa Claus. The Bible does not intend that. In fact, the Bible is way better how sad would it be if we grow up thinking that Easter is all of these things and we think, wow, Easter, I cannot wait because of the newness of all these things. And yet, we miss the point. We miss new birth in Christ, the only one who has defeated death. <clears throat> and so, we're not done yet. We're going to celebrate, continue to celebrate even, the fact that our God is alive. All throughout this world, people are bowing to dead things. Either they are dead now when they bow, or they will be dead one day. Now what I mean by that is, Across the earth, people are bowing to the memory or to objects that represent people that once lived and are now alive. But there's others that bow to things. They bow to cows. They bow to stuff. In America, we don't bow to cows. 
In America, we bow to stuff, to bling, to things that run, to things that move us. All those things will be dead. Only one who was alive, then dead, then alive. And because he was dead and is alive, then when we die, we die once and we live again. And so I want you to hear these things, and I want you to make them personal. And even if it offends you, be offended by the truth. Hear the word of the Lord and ask these questions for yourself. Am I looking for a show? Am I looking to mock Jesus? Am I just going with the crowd? And some say he was a good dude, but now he's dead. Or am I seeing the truth of Scripture and accepting into my life right now Jesus, our living hope? And if you can do that, then there's something to celebrate. And when we get ready to sing, the band's going to sing Again, and so we want to finish with praise. We want to finish with, with worship and adoration and celebration to the living King. But if you don't know him personally, then what are you celebrating? I want to invite you to celebrate this King because he's alive and he's alive in you. And so let's do that right now. Let's celebrate. Amen and amen. We are grateful that we have a king who is alive. And I want to share with you before we sign off that although we are not in a building, and when you are in a building, typically there is an invitation. And in that invitation, you can make decisions, take steps toward Jesus. You can talk to the pastor, pray, or, or whatever God leads you to do. And I want to make sure that you understand that, uh, that the invitation is still just as open. Jesus is still calling. Jesus is still leading people to himself. And so, take those steps to Jesus. And if you need me, call me, text me. However you need to get in touch with me as your pastor, do it. If you are on this feed and you are watching me and you go to a different church, your pastor would be thrilled to hear what God is doing in your life and to counsel you closer to Jesus. And so make sure that you do not pretend that Jesus is only alive today. He's still raised tomorrow. And so continue your walk to Him, follow Him, and do what He leads you to do because He is alive and He's powerful and He wants to lead your life to be with Him. And so I want to pray and wish you guys a happy Easter and thankful to spend this moment with you. So pray with me. Father, we thank you that we celebrate Easter as the pinnacle of the Christian's year because it was the most significant day in our history. 
Lord, all humanity looked to that day in anticipation. We look back to that day in celebration because we can look forward to the day when all of those who were before and all of those now will spend eternity with you forever praising your name. And Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for people that just love each other and they check on each other and they meet each other's needs. God, I just thank you for fanning the flames of what it means to be a church. And I pray that you would continue to fill us as your body with more of you. And so, Lord, I pray that when this quarantine ends, that you have done everything that you wanted to do, even during this time. And help us to not lose ground. Help us to not go back. Use this time to lead us, to build us, to make us more wholly yours. But we thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys.